What's your emergency? Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to the PIO Podcast, a place to discuss all public information-related topics for police, fire, EMS, and local and federal government organizations. It was a good learning experience for a lot of us that, that social media is not real life. But we have to remember the media are very rarely a target audience. They're simply that conduit. Our words have impacts on individuals and it may not be positive. So just be just being thoughtful and mindful of the words that we speak. I think what's so interesting about this position too and this job and this profession is that um, every one of us is looking for purpose. And when we find it here, that's it. To know is that a crisis for one is not necessarily a crisis for another. This episode is sponsored by the Social Media Strategy Summit, the leading provider of social media education. They host annual events designed specifically for government communications professionals like you to help you build and engage your communities through social media. Visit their website at socialmediastrategysummit.com to learn more and use promo code PIO podcast for 10% off of your registration. Thank you for joining the PIO podcast today. This episode is the wrap up of season three. The PIO podcast will be on hiatus through the months of November and December. I am, however, still recording episodes for season four. If you know someone you might like to have on the show for season four, please email me their information at the PIO podcast at gmail.com. Although I'll still be recording new episodes throughout this hiatus, it will also be some downtime for me from a weekly broadcast and allow me to spend some time with my family. We all need to practice self-care and spending time with my family is always a great way for me to rebound and refresh. I have selected excerpts from interviews throughout this year that were both impactful and of great meaning for our profession. Before we listen to these episodes, let's talk some statistics. We produced 39 episodes, three more than in 2022. Our most listened to episode was with Captain Sharonda Grant of the Milwaukee Police Department and John Guilfoyle of John Guilfoyle Public Relations, who came in a close second. We had over 10,000 downloads and 18,080 listens in just the last 10 months. The most used platform to listen to podcasts is on Apple Podcasts, with over 66% of you listening there. 87% of our listeners listen to the podcast on a mobile device. 91% of our listeners are from North America, 4% from Europe, 1% from Asia, 1% from Australia, and we even had one download from South America. We are truly a platform for PIOs around the globe, and I am incredibly proud of that. I hope you enjoy this episode, and I'll see everybody in 2024. First up is Sharonda Grant, captain of the Milwaukee Police Department, and her comments about the impact of words. I would like the listeners to understand the importance of their words. So we all have, we we should all be very cautious of the words that we use because we don't know if we are 
imp- negatively impacting other people. So just being cautious. Uh, don't speak just to speak. But when you do decide to make a statement, make sure that it's impactful and meaningful. In episode five, PIO Ryan Railsback from Riverside PD in California talks about the evolution of public information officers and their their impact on crisis communications and where it's going in the future. Leading the way, leading the charge. Um, you know, that's a, a great question, a great topic. Um, we weren't involved in crisis uh, communications or dealing with a crisis until the crisis happened um, up until a few years ago. Uh, and in our city, we kind of take the crisis communication. Um, it's not just the police department. When we have something significant, um, we kind of have a crisis communication team that includes the fire department, includes uh, city hall, um, includes the, the main uh, communications officer, the main city PIO. Uh, we're fortunate in our city. We actually have our own um, kind of TV studio, TV crew. Uh, they call uh, called Riverside TV. They're the ones that they broadcast all the city council meetings, city meetings, things like that. But when we need a want uh, to live stream a press conference, that's who we call. Um, so we actually had it. It started, uh, I think it was 2017, if I remember. Um, it was a plane crash here in Riverside. And so, of course, it involved the fire department primarily and the police department. It was a, a crash. It crashed into a house. Fortunately, no one was home, but it killed the uh, five people on board of the airplane. And so that was kind of, we had been talking about it for kind of a while. You know, we, luckily, we had been meeting uh, because we wanted to break these silos that are out there. Uh, you know, usually the Police might talk to the fire department, you know, but they're not talking to city hall, you know, in terms of your communications, uh, uh, your PIOs, you're not talking to other organizations. You're not, you're not getting to know who your sheriff PIOs are, or, or you're just your county normal PIOs, your water district PIOs. So uh, we, we had been doing that. Um, and then we had this plane crash. So we were able to, uh, come together pretty quick, uh, have a live stream press conference uh, with the the primary parties, uh, the different agencies within, I think, three hours um, and then following up. And so we kind of developed this really good template and uh, it, it'll go into, I know one of your other questions about asking permission versus begging forgiveness. We kind of started this and just started doing it. And, then we had a uh, another national incident where we had a, uh, a parent uh, go into a school, one of our elementary schools, and take a teacher hostage. And so that became another significant incident. So we have this template, and now we've been called for. Uh, uh, our city management has asked us, you know, or offered us uh, when we've had neighboring agencies uh, that have had something. I want to say we had a military jet a few years ago that crashed just right outside our city limits. And Hey, I'm making you guys available head out there now, just in case. So uh, it became something where now this is how we respond. Um, It's not just going to be, if it's a police matter, it's not just me in most cases, you know, it's, it's going to be some other folks. So 
that's that's the way I, I think that's the template that um, a lot of agencies, unless you're a big agency and you have a team or you have your own kind of media people to do your filming and your videos, your social media, all of that. Um, but when you kind of got these smaller departments where you're a one man, one person, you know, two, three person team, you've got to rely on those other agencies that you work with. And so I think that's, that's where it's going. I, and I really like to see that. Um, we've been fortunate enough um, to be recognized for that, where we spoke at some uh, social media conferences about breaking those silos. Um, and you'd be surprised the comments we get or the feedback we get going, man, how did you do this? We, you know, we had one uh, agency in our county come to us and say, we don't even know who our city PIO is or our fire PIO. And like, that's all you need to know because they bring something they, and they may have different uh, resources, different equipment um, that will that will help you. So, yeah, it, it's nice. And then you look it looks more unified as well, because, as you know, in any crisis, you're you're doing some type of incident command, unified command system. And that's you need to make it look like that, too. In episode four, Tabard Olden from TOC Communications talks about the importance of social media monitoring software and why it has such a big impact on the PIO's ability to do their job. I mean, I think it is, it's so key, especially on a, in a crisis situation where there is information overload. We all know we're flooded in the digital space with information and Intel that's coming through. Um, one of the justifications that I know a lot of organizations have and that I was able to leverage myself as well is that a lot of these listening tools can also be used on the investigative side. So a lot of times your crime analysis teams will be able to have funding or they'll have budget where they that you can tap into where they're able to get software licenses to use it for investigative purposes um, that you can also tap in for the PIO side. So absolutely such a valuable tool um, well worth the purchase because the time comes when you're dealing with being inundated with thousands and thousands of, of messages and um, information coming in in the digital world. There's no way you can keep up with it and it'll end up um, the one time you need it, you're, you're going to see the value in it. We continue with Tamron where we talk about getting buy-in from supervisors and other officers and staff members in the department. I think some of the things that you have to do, some of the things that, you know, eventually over time worked with me is being able to, you know, the what's in it, tap into the what's in it for me concept. So when you have PIO and it's, um, you know, you're wanting to get information about a case or a suspect that's wanted or solicit the public's help. And then they see the benefit of it because, you know, you have someone call in and you're able to um, find a missing person or able to, um, you know, capture a suspect because you've leveraged the media and the PIO role. Then they start seeing like, okay, I get it. It starts to click, but sometimes you got to kind of force feed it to them. I always would attend briefings as much as I could. And I'd sit there and listen to them and talk about cases and things that were going on and go, Hey, you know what? That's really good footage. You know, do you mind if we put that out or do you want me to write something up where it's almost, you have to be proactive. Then they start seeing the value. Another thing that we did was a, um, all management. Well, corporal, we did corporals and up. We did a department wide training 
and we talked about the importance of it. We did case studies. We brought in our local media and did a panel where they can meet them face to face and teach them how to do, how to handle basic, simple media inquiries about a road closure over a a TC so that I'm not getting called at two in the morning. Uh, So those are some things that, you know, worked for me that were able to get them to be on board a little bit more with the role of the PIA. In this next excerpt, we have Lieutenant Shane Foley from the Indianapolis Metropolitan Police Department talking about a new series of videos that they put out called Sworn to Serve. Yeah, so what that series is, is we use body camera footage to to show some really incredible incidents that our officers are engaged with. Uh, you know, like thanks Sergeant Nick Ragsdale from our police department who came up with that name, Sworn to Serve. And some of the challenges that we face is that getting incidents, having officers tell us about or hearing about incidents, some of that is because our officers are just humble and they don't want to be highlighted. Some of it is that they just do the good work and don't think anything of it. Like one that we had where officers saved uh, two kids and a woman from the second floor of a fire. And once we learned about it, we put this out and it it gained uh, international attention. But we almost missed that opportunity. Uh, Some other issues that we've had are screening for sensitivity issues. You know, as much as it's nice to show kids and helping kids, you know, when they're in crisis or they're victims of crimes, we can't necessarily show some of those incidents. And then probably the last one is active cases. We don't want to get into active criminal cases. So uh, now that we've had body cameras for a couple of years, we're able to get some cases that have been resolved uh, and show, show the good work that our officers have done on some of those. From episode eight, we have Michelle Markham, marketing and media relations manager for the Rockford Police Department, talking about switching hats when she used to be the member of the media. Now she's being interviewed by the media. Let's take a quick break. When it comes to influencer marketing, there's a podcast that covers it all that you will want to add to your playlist. The Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. They talk about influencer marketing, social media, the creator economy, social commerce, and much, much more. They cover all aspects, including the creator economy, social commerce, the latest trends, the metaverse, TikTok trends, and that's just the beginning. The Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. Add the podcast to your playlist right now. Um, Luckily, I have a very, very active chief and she does most of the interviews. So I get I I, I get very lucky in that sense. But um, adapting to working with the media, um, I think having that experience has made me a better PIO. And the relationships I've built along the way have helped me really succeed in this position for sure. I love being that connection between the two worlds. And we we know that that line can be really blurred at times. Um, so there's always two sides to every story. And it's really been helpful to for me to have the understanding of what the media is going through on their side. So I kind of know what questions they're going to be asking me. I know what questions they're going to want answers to and what what they really want to push out. From episode 10, we have Alexandra Farkas, public information officer for the Cheyenne Police Department in Cheyenne, Wyoming, 
And she's talking about using an integrated marketing plan to get her message out to her community. So um, to begin, my time at the chamber, it, it helped me better understand our community and what our target, target audience is. Um, and then having that insight, it helped me develop our communications plan. Um, just coming from a marketing background, we use an integrated marketing communication strategy. So um, with that approach, we promote all of our messages through multiple outlets that work together and they reinforce one another. Um, we like to use mixed media, so things like social media, um, platforms, events, our website, to communicate messages, which all tie back to our central mission. Um, and then we do that because our citizens are all accessing information in different ways. Um, we do not know where the user's experience begins um, and they're all or when they're looking at our material. And so it could be on Facebook, it could be on our website, but integrating all of our marketing materials ensures that we have um, consistent messaging across the board. And then similar to my time at the chamber, I'll use analytics to monitor that activity, measure the effectiveness, and then reveal some opportunities for changes. In this episode, from episode 12, we have Michaela Moskov, Public Information Director for Horry County. Michaela will be talking about what you should do if you're interested in becoming a public information officer? First and foremost, I would say training, get whatever training or, you know, prep items that you can ready for that transition. There are a ton of, you know, online certifications that you can participate in. There are independent study courses through FEMA and many other organizations. Uh, certainly someone could pursue an associate's bachelor's, master's, whatever the case may be, if they're that motivated about it. Uh, but outside of that, build those relationships like PIOs need PIOs. We, there's a reason we all talk to each other and we want to have these opportunities to get to know each other and, and grow. So if you want to move into public information, get to know the PIOs, <laughs> have a have a good working relationship with them and and ask for guidance. I know that in the last few years, I've had journalists from this area and from others just reach out at different points and say, hey, I'm looking for my next opportunity. Maybe I don't know exactly what I'm doing yet, but what guidance do you have? What what kind of tips would you give me? And I'm like, any knowledge I have, you are more than welcome to. I will tell you as much or as little as you want to know. Uh, tell me when to stop. <laughs> and uh, those are the kind of relationships that any person looking to, to jump from news or another field to public information really could could have and could do. In episode 15, John Guilfoyle of John Guilfoyle Public Relations talks about where public information is going. Well, you know, I, I think looking at the future of media relations is a big topic right now for us. Uh, and, you know, I, we hinted at the newspapers. Uh, there's, there's still plenty of great newspaper reporters out there doing amazing work. Um, they're overworked. They're underpaid, certainly. Uh, and they've been given more responsibility. Um, you know, reporters are covering multiple towns or multiple regions. You're not sitting in town hall. You're not making the relationships. So for me, the, the challenge I offer my PIOs and my chiefs that I work with is you now have to be the one that goes and build that relationship where a generation ago, a, a reporter would go and try to seek you out, make a source relationship, try to build that up. They don't have time, frankly. Um, the TV ones do for the most part, but the newspaper reporters are largely are so stretched beyond their, their capacity that they don't have the time to spend hours 
a week um, source building or building those relationships. So we should carry that stick and we should be going out and building those relationships. Those will pay dividends. When you when you treat people like people, reporters are just human beings doing a difficult job for not enough money. That should sound familiar to everyone that listens to your podcast. Um, they, they, for the most part, want to do good, noble work. And if, if we take the time to get to know them and work with them, it will pay off at the end of the day. There's too many people that are just written off as anti-cop when, when they covered um, the domestic or the drunk driving arrest. Covering bad story does not make you anti-cop. It makes you a reporter. In this episode, we speak to communications manager from the Michigan State University Police Department, Dana White, about staff communication and internal comms after a crisis. Yeah, so our staff and our officers... It's been a rough past few months, it, not just working, but personally as well. After trying to deal with the trauma, our, our officers who responded that night and were there in Berkey Hall within minutes are so brave and their job should not be overlooked at all. They're true first responders. In addition to our dispatchers, we are dispatched through Ingham County. So they were processing hundreds of calls as well. But that's something that we've really looked at in the past few months is officer and employee wellness and making sure that we're taking care of our people. So we're really trying to communicate messages internally first before externally to make sure that we're talking to our people too directly and letting them know that we're here if they have any questions about anything that we're putting out. And we're really trying to make it more of a collaborative effort. So our investigative unit that has been going over the investigation for months since the 13th, I've been working closely with them to make sure the information that's requested from the media, are we okay with putting this out? Is there something that we should put out instead? And really trying to develop those relationships to make sure that everyone's work is being involved and that folks feel appreciated. In episode 23 this year, Shauna Bruce talks about the golden hour and why it's changed. Well, I think it's where we just, it's social media, right? We used to have the golden hour and, and, you know, it's a little bit almost like we used to say the 24 hour news cycle, and now we're like, I don't know, the 24 second, probably millisecond, whatever it is, news cycle. But social media has uh, created this um, time reduction space for us to operate in. So now I'm saying to clients, you, need, you have 15 minutes to reply, 15 to 30 max. And they're like, oh my gosh, how, we could never do that. But my point is, you can if you have an effective plan that incl includes legally approved holding statements that you can get out there just to take accountability of whatever it is that you don't even know the details of yet and then start putting in place your plan so so that's how you get responding in that really quick time um i'm telling clients now like that's a big thing have your your crisis comms plan you know, written, signed off by leadership that gives comms teams and leaders or the PIO the authority to act, to act instantly with an approved, legally approved holding statement. You know, once you're hearing about it, in the end, it may not be anything, but you're looking into it, right? We're looking into this allegation. I think that to me, we are down to that time, Robert, because social media 
we are almost never the ones in control of our crisis. The train has left the station and we're running down behind the cars trying to catch up almost every time. In episode 30, Public Information Officer Veronica Hill from Richland County Sheriff's Department talked about getting accurate information out during a crisis. Yeah, I think it's so important to make sure that correct information is made available it's in a timely way, right? We we can't wait until we have every bit of information to release and we can't be so obsessed with getting the information out. We don't have, you know, a thoughtful message, but, you know, it's ter- certainly in instances that are, are high profile, whether that's officer involved shootings or incidents that, you know, maybe don't even involve us earlier this year. You know, we um, had a case where a store owner is accused of um, shooting a, a 14 year old and he died. And so it's like, we, that was, that was a case that got us some national attention, our area some national attention, some layers to it. And so, you know, we really, we worked with the coroner to um, have that news conference together. But um, more towards your point about the critical incident video, um, I think our department, we work directly with those involved in the situation and we give them the opportunity, you know, the most sensitivity in terms of what happened. And we give them the first rights to the video and like we let them, um, view any video they want to see in that incident. But as far as, you know, when these cases become of interest to the public and to the media, um, we're also trying to be, you know, proactive about that as well. And um, so while in South Carolina, body camera is not covered under FOIA. um, So in most cases, it takes a court order or a subpoena to get body camera. Um, We, our sheriff elects to release it. um, um, And, you know, like in a, and I, you know, we don't do quite the level of um, critical incident briefing. We we release the body camera. And I think that's a we want to show we we're not, you know, giving unnecessary context to this, that the public really feels, well, they released the video and I saw what happened myself and I made a decision based on that. And I think that's been very well received um, in our community, their ability to see unedited body camera of an incident. Um, and review it and make those determinations themselves. And also upon request, you know, they can, we can also in conjunction release 911 call, any historical data related to an incident or any other, you know, Simon Sinek would say being transparent is not releasing every single detail. It's giving context to the decisions that we do make. So I think it's a both and situation. So um, to help the public navigate that, but you know, the public, they're they're dialed in. So if you don't get your side or your um, your ducks in a row to be able to share with them, the wrong message will go first, and it's much harder to correct than it is to be proactive. I think everybody wrapped up this year pretty well, and I think what we've got is a really great group of people that had just given you a good overview of what we did this year, and I look forward to twenty twenty four. So. Until next year, everybody, have a great, safe, and happy holidays to you and yours. That's all for this week. We hope you enjoyed this episode. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast to get notified of the latest episode. If you are listening on a platform that allows reviews, please give us a review. We appreciate any review, good or bad, that helps us improve on each episode. Until next time, be safe.